Can you hear me? Yeah, we're good. We're good. Great to see you all this morning. Um, so this morning, I'm going to dive sort of straight in. We're continuing our series that we've entitled Stand Firm. And, and so I just want to share with us three verses this morning. Um, and they are from Ephesians chapter 4, verses from verse 32 and then into chapter 5. So if you have a Bible or a device with you, I'd encourage you to, you know, to open those. Otherwise, the words are here behind me. Wonderful. Um, so, um, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children and walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Those are great words. That's Paul writing to the, the church in Ephesus. He's in prison. He is in, going through a tough time himself, but he's sending just these encouraging, um, you know, there's a whole bunch of letters that he writes from jail to encourage a bunch of churches. And, and these are some of the words that, that he encourages us with. So um, Andy's just shared an update, and I know sometimes, you know, change, things can be hard, um, but right now I just wanted to press into some of the need that we're facing around us, um, and then it's not just us. So um, the Trussell Trust, who run food banks across the country, are anticipating that 600,000 people will need access to food banks between December and February this coming winter. So that equates to one parcel, food parcel, every eight seconds, and 7,000 people needing support each day. And as a church, we are going to continue serving those in need. But as well as that, we, we want to take this opportunity at Christmas to put a smile on some people's faces as well. And so this Sunday is Compassion Sunday in the life of our church um, you know that compassion is really important. I'm going to talk to you a little bit about Compassionate Christmas in a little bit. You'll see some flyers on your seats, which we'll turn to in a bit. But I just want to help us to understand a little bit more about what compassion means. So the word compassion comes from the Latin compassio. Um, and the Greek word used here, and I'm re- I, 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 Bethan had struggled pronounce, uh, uh, you know, pronouncing some Romanian words. This is even harder. I'm going to have a go. So splagchinzomai. Does that sound good? I've been practicing, so um, thank you. So Charles Spurgeon, he's a 19th century preacher, or he was a 19th century. I guess he still is a 19th century preacher because he's no longer with us, but otherwise he'd be very old. Um, He says this word was used for Christ's compassion in the Gospels, and it was likely created by the writers because there was no other word that quite did it justice. And what he talks about is like, it's a gut-wrenching compassion. I don't know if anybody's experienced something like that. When you see someone in need, it's like you feel it in your gut. You know, see, you see through the Gospels that Jesus' compassion was so visible. You know, the shortest verse in the Bible, he wept. It's so powerful and so new week, unique that they needed a new word to describe it. So when we show compassion towards someone, what we do is we suffer with them. We have a a kind of gut-wrenching compassion for those that are in need. And if you go back through the Bible, we see in the Old Testament that God has a, a special place in his heart for those who are suffering, and particularly for those living in poverty. Poverty is a word that's that's referred to more than 2,000 times in Scripture. 
You see, God's intention for humanity was that we would look out for each other, showing particular care for the poor and the needy. So you take those laws in the Old Testament, they were not designed to restrict us, but to allow us to live life in all its fullness. And those with much were instructed to help those with little. If, if you like, it's, it, this is kind of God's blueprint for humanity, that we share the responsibility of looking out for one another. In fact, when we do that, God says in Deuteronomy 15, there need be no poor people among you. What he's saying is the world that he created, that in it there is enough to go around for everybody, but we've become too selfish and hold on to things that we don't necessarily need. We need to share it around. And we see this continued in the New Testament part of the Bible. So after Jesus was around, he went back up to heaven, and you see the early church, and they start living out that same kind of compassion. The early church was notorious, not only for looking after their own people, but for looking after anyone who was in need. So in fact, when Paul went out to plant churches, the other apostles reminded him of one thing, and this is what it says in Galatians 2.10. All they asked was that we should continue to remember the poor, the very thing I had been eager to do all along. Remember the poor. And yet despite this, today we see so much need around us. So how do we respond to that need? As Andy shared earlier, as a church, we want to reach out to those who are suffering, the hungry, the hurting, the broken and the needy, in order that they might experience the compassionate heart of God, the God who suffers with us. You see, compassion is more than just a feeling. It's, a, it's something that requires practical involvement. Now, some of you may be familiar with Jackie Pullinger. She's a woman who spent many decades on the streets of Hong Kong working with drug addicts and prostitutes. She put it like this. She said, God wants us to have soft hearts and hard feet. The trouble with so many of us is that we have hard hearts and soft feet. He longs for us to have soft hearts that feel the pain of what we see around us. And hard feet ready to walk the extra mile to suffer with those in need. And so coming back to the passage, being kind and compassionate to one another is part of God's story. And it's part of our story here. So in a world that so desperately needs it, how can we grow in compassion? And, and I want to share a few things from the passage that we've just read. I believe it starts by being kind and compassionate. Um, I read the story this week um, from Pete Gregg, pastor and author. We, he's been here before. You may be familiar with him. He posted this week about a guy called Jimmy Cox. Jimmy is not someone you will ever have heard of or read about. In fact, he was shot down um, in 1941 during World War II. But Jimmy knew Pete's father. Now, Pete's father was someone who was raised in a strict non-Christian home, and his, and his brother were threatened with disinheritance if they ever became Christians. But then Pete's dad went away to university and he met this guy, Jimmy. And through meeting Jimmy, Pete's dad's life was turned around. Now, Jimmy was a Christian and he shared his faith with Pete's dad. So what was it about Jimmy that influenced Pete's dad? 
Now, according to Pete's dad, what Jimmy just seemed kinder and more alive than anyone he'd ever known. And that's what helped lead Pete's dad to Jesus and it transformed that entire family tree. You see, we idolize so many things in society, fame, influence, the cars we drive or the clothes that we wear. Yet what drew Pete's dad to Jesus was someone who was kind. It seems so simple, and yet so often it can be incredibly difficult for us to show kindness to others. I believe that a little kindness goes such a long way. It's why Paul makes such a point in encouraging us to be kind and compassionate to each other. This last week, many of us will have given out bags of light to our neighbors. A simple act of kindness, an expression of God's light and love into our community. And as Christians, if you're here today and you're following Jesus, we have every reason to show kindness to others. And when people ask us why, the Apostle Peter in his first letter to us tells us always to be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. So why do we have hope? Because broken as we are, we are loved by God. Despite all our flaws, our imperfections, and he released us into new life. So what kind of kindness can you show this week? Who is your walking past at the station or as you're going to the school gate or wherever you find yourself? Can, who can you show kindness and compassion towards? So that's where it starts, in kindness and compassion. And Paul then encourages his readers to forgive one another. I don't know about you, but forgiveness can sometimes be hard. Paul encourages us to forgive one another just as Christ has forgiven us. Now, Jesus' ideas on forgiveness are quite radical. If we, if we go back to Matthew 18, Peter goes up to him and says, how many times should I forgive my brother if he sins against me? Seven times? And I'm sure Peter was thinking, that's a lot of times, isn't it? I'm quite smart, you know, and he thinks he's trying to catch Jesus out. Jesus replies, not seven times, but 77 times. I'm sure Peter thought it was totally, you know, ah, you know, totally got him at that moment. Why is it so important for us to forgive? Imagine someone has done us wrong. Perhaps they've upset you in some way. That person might even apologize to you if they know that they've upset you. Whether or not, we still have a choice in how we respond. Either we accept that apology and we allow ourselves to move on. Or we don't accept that apology. And what happens is we carry around unforgiveness inside us. And if we carry that weight of unforgiveness, it will begin to weigh us down. Don't often quote this guy, but rapper uh, Ja Rule says this about the importance of forgiveness. I feel like unforgiveness, bitterness, resentment, it blocks the flow of God's blessings in my life. You know, if we don't forgive... Bitterness and resentment will begin to build up inside us. We stop being open to God's work in our lives, and we're not able to live in the freedom that we're created for. Maybe you're thinking, okay, that, with something small, I, I get that, but what if it's something big, like your spouse has run out on you, or someone is, has bullied your child? There's a guy called Gordon Wilson he was in Enniskillen um, in Northern Ireland with his daughter Marie back in 1987 
when an IRA bomb went off. He survived, but his daughter didn't. And hours later, in front of TV cameras, he offered forgiveness to the bombers. Can you believe it? Just hours later. Now, many questioned him. But as he forgave, he found peace in himself as he forgave. And temporarily, it even broke that cycle of killing and revenge that was prevalent in Northern Ireland at that time. Isn't that astonishing? Forgiveness has to start in us. And, and, and as well as that, we, we need to know the truth of what Paul says in this passage, that we are forgiven. You know, if we're honest with ourselves, many of us don't live inside that freedom. We, each one of us, need to know and live the truth that there is nothing, there is nothing that can separate us from the love of God. Whatever we do, whatever we face, even if so often we don't forgive ourselves, do we? We're the last person to forgive ourselves. God forgives us. He forgives us and nothing can separate us from his love. So when we carry the weight of unforgiveness around our necks, it will slowly drown us. So let us first embrace his forgiveness for us and in turn be kind and compassionate as we choose to forgive others. And finally, we sacrifice others for ourselves. See that in the passage. The dictionary tells us that making a sacrifice is to give up something we value for the sake of others. So when what we give up for others tells us what's important to us. So John Wimber, who's the founding pastor of the Vineyard Movement, he once said, show me where you spend your time, money, and energy, and I'll tell you what you worship. It's quite challenging and very true. Giving is such a huge part of growing in our faith. Jesus, as that passage point out, points out, gave up everything for us, and he invites each of us to make a sacrifice. So I'm going to share some ways that we can grow in giving up our time, our money, and our energy to serve and bless others today. You know, giving to a church means that we get to be a part of all the wonderful things that we're able to do here. Kids groups. Busy Bees is coming back, right? So that we get to be a part of that, even if we can't show up on a Tuesday. Serving coffee and donuts. Serving food, running job clubs and money advice centers, feeding those in need, switching the lights on, making sure it's warm in the space is what we use. So how can we take a step in giving today? The simple answer I'd say is just to start from where you are. Some of us have a lot, others of us don't have so much. But I love the story of the widow's offering in Luke 21. So Jesus is there by the temple gates with his disciples and he, and he sees the rich putting their gifts into the temple treasury. And they go about it with a fair amount of flamboyance and they're like, hey, look at me, I'm giving all of this. But then he spots a widow giving two small coins. And Jesus turns to his disciples and says, this widow has given more than any of the others. So when we're thinking about how much, that's a really good question to ask. But the Old Testament talks a lot about giving 10% of what we earn, a tithe. We may have come across that. But Jesus never particularly gives specifics, but what he does encourage is generosity. And I love that we're such an outrageously generous church. 
How should we give? So all the details are on the, on the sides beside me in the auditorium. There's some details coming up behind me as well. But I'd encourage you to do it regularly and systematically. So for Kathy and myself, we give by standing order. So the church gets the full amount of what we do, and we don't have to think about it, which is very good for me because I don't always remember everything. So the first is the first thing that comes out every single month, even before the bills. We trust him then for the rest that comes in. And if you're a UK taxpayer, um, I encourage you to make sure you fill out one of the gift aid forms. You can do that on one of the envelopes on your seats, particularly if you're giving by cash, or you can do that on the giving page on the website as well. But I'd encourage us all, take a step today. If you've never given, begin to give. If you've given sporadically, I want to encourage you to give regularly. And if you give regularly, begin to tithe, and if you, if you tithe already, grow in outrageous generosity to extravagantly give back the giver we can never outgive. So by being obedient in our giving, the Lord sees it, and I believe the Lord blesses it. But you know, I recognize that we live in a difficult climate right now. There are so many things that we need to worry about. Can we put the heating on? You know, do we need a new vehicle just to get to work? All these kind of things. If you need help right now, I'd encourage you to talk to your small group leader. And Storehouse is here as well. You know, we've talked about Storehouse already. You know, personally, Kathy and I were helped, you know, a number of years ago, but so helpful just at a moment where we needed help in our life. Um, you can get a referral from a small group leader or from pastoral staff. We also have things like job clubs. So maybe, you know, you're struggling to find work right now. We run regular job clubs. Maybe you need some advice around your money. We have people that can sit down with you and help you to get unstuck. All of the details of that, if you'd rather look online or on riversidevineyard.com compassion or talk to one of us, we would love to help you take some steps today. And then secondly, by giving above and beyond our regular giving. So each Christmas, we're going to talk Christmas. I didn't get the Santa hat out. I thought about it, but I was like, my hair already looks a mess. It's not going to look any better by that. So each Christmas, we love to demonstrate God's love in really practical ways to those around us. And I'm really excited to be able to launch today Compassion at Christmas. So you should have a flyer that looks a little bit like this on your seats. And I will go through that in just a moment. And there are a couple of typos for the keen-eyed. We're just trying to keep you looking at what's going on there. But I'll make sure you know which ones are the typos. So um, we would love everybody to be involved in this. And the first thing I want to tell you about is our storehouse Christmas party taking place on the 2nd of December. It is absolutely one of the highlights of the year. There are, you know, this, this room is completely filled with kids having fun. We give gifts out. Um, Santa may make an, an appearance, and, and we're talking about the real one because he's got a real white beard. Um, so, so I say you might see him in the next slide, actually. Dave might show up in some fancy dress, and that's enough reason to show up as well. Um, but there's all, there he is on the right. You see him? I mean, it's the real thing. Um, and so we've got, we've got all sorts of people coming into, into um, this building, and we get to bless them with a gift, and we get to bless them with an incredible party as well. And we can all be a part of this, okay? 
So there's three ways that you can be involved. The first way is you can give a toy. Toys are priced between about 20 to 25 pound. You can either pick up a toy from our wish list, which is going to go live this week, um, and then you can bring it in by the 26th of November, or you can give financially up to that amount or beyond. So basically, we would love every child to be able to have a gift to open at Christmas. And for some, we know that this may be the only gift that they will open. The second thing is, is giving your time. We want our, all our storehouse families to have the most amazing Christmas party. And I know that we, we sent round invites uh, about a week ago. I mean, like it, they, they've just, the tickets are going so quickly. So we're really excited. There's a bunch of people really excited for this. So we would love you to give your time. You can spend some time setting up on Thursday, the 30th of November. Um, and that can be in the morning or the afternoon. Uh, to make our auditorium and foyer look amazing. Now, I think on the back of here, it says December. If you show up on the 30th of December, nobody's going to be here, okay? So 30th of November, we'll get these reprinted for next week. But the details are accurate up there, okay? So the 30th of November, if you can give us some time in the morning or the afternoon to help us set, get set up, that would be incredible. Or on Saturday the 2nd itself, where the party is taking place, um, and again, so on, the, on the here as well, it does say the 10th of December somewhere. That should read the 2nd, um, and so you can see that there. So we need people to help at the party. You could help with welcoming people. Can you, can, you, can you smile? If you can smile, you can be a part of this. You can register guests, so maybe you're good with, you know, with, um, with registering people. Wrapping gifts, maybe you're one of those people that loves wrapping gifts at Christmas. Um, you can help people park. I think we're, we're running like a, a penalty competition. We're doing, you know, Santa's going to be here. There's face paintings, all sorts of other things going on. So there's a whole heap of ways that you can get involved. And then we need help in setting down after the event in the afternoon as well. So those are the ways that you can get involved in your time. And then thirdly, you can give financially to all that we're doing this Christmas. So to bless our storehouse families this Christmas, we're inviting people to give 20 to 25 pounds for a toy and then five pounds per child for a party. And then your contributions will also go towards what we're doing in Staines as well. I'm going to come to Staines next week, so I'll tell you some other stuff about um, what we're doing in Staines. Um, but as we, we're going to be contributing towards a hamper appeal as well. So really excited for that too. You know, we love being a church of outrageously generous people. Now, perhaps thinking about what you spend at Christmas, I don't know how many, how much you know, you'd normally spend. I, I read some slightly alarming stats this week about how much people spend. So according to an organization called Statista, um, the average person in the UK spent £1,000 on Christmas. Uh, and that's up to 1700 in London. Now, I have no idea whether you spend anywhere near that amount. I know I don't but others might. But could you think about tithing what you spend? So if you spend £100 at Christmas, could you give £10? If you spend £1,000, could you give £100? And then finally, one other thing, just um, we, we are also running a Christmas lunch again this year on Christmas Day. And so we're going to be cooking for those that would otherwise be on their own at Christmas. Um, we need team to serve and we need team to drive guests to and from the lunch. So there's a whole bunch of incredible ways that you can be a part of blessing those around us. 
So how can you get involved? I know that's what you're all asking. How can I do it? The simplest way, I'm going to encourage you, if you get out your phone right now, you can get out your phone right now. In the middle of a sermon, I know, I know, but you can. And there is a QR code right there, and that will take you to the Compassionate Christmas page. All right? And that will help you to sign up immediately. If you need a little bit more time, I mean, what more time do you need? You just want to be there, right? So, but you can, you can take one of these flies, you can fill that out, and so we can send the baskets around now. So if you would prefer to do that on paper, we have pens around as well. So grab a pen, put your details onto here so you can tell us what your name is. That's always helpful. Rip off that bit, and then you can let us know when you would like to be available, okay? So I can see people getting their phones out. That's great. I'm sure you're not checking bus times or Facebook or anything like that. But we're going to send those. For those that might have uh, used, the, used the forms, the flyers, you can, um, you can pop that in right now. Okay. So we love what we're able to do at Christmas, and we love the fact that we all get to be a part of this. And each one of us can uh, do that in a really practical way. So either on the Thursday, the Saturday, you can be involved with Christmas Day, you can be involved in giving financially as well. We would love each one of us to be a part of that this Christmas. Now, as those baskets go around, I just want to land with something, and then I'm going to invite Andy to come up just to help lead us um, as, we, as we go into ministry. I just want to come back to that word compassion, you know, that sense of to suffer with others, you know, gut-wrenching compassion for those in need. You know, if, we're, if we are to demonstrate kindness and compassion to those around us, we need our hearts and our feet to be in the right state. So my prayer for each one of us is that the Lord would make our, hand, our hearts soft, that they might be broken by the needs of those around us, and our feet would be hard, that, w- that our feet would take us to th- towards those that are in need, that need the good news of Jesus and the practical support they need in this moment.